This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey, it's producer Rog here on the Off Script podcast, and you've got me in the driving seat on this episode. I went down to Dubai Motorcycle Film Festival to interview none other than Claudio Von Planta. Who? Well, he's the director and the photographer and the cameraman on the Long Way series with Hugh McGregor and Charlie Borman. Enjoy. The Big Interview with Off Script. The Long Way series, Ewan McGregor, a man by the name of Charlie Bookman, it's become a bit of a cult classic, this, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There's been three versions of this. Uh, 2004, The Long Way Round saw Ewan and Charlie document their ride from London to New York via Eurasia, and they rode through North America to New York as well. How long did that take? On two wheels. It took them four months and challenges along the way as well. That wasn't enough. They then went in 2007 from John O'Groat yes, this to is Cape the one. Town. See, I uh, somewhat foolishly, and again, I've not watched too much of this, I actually thought the John O'Groats to Cape Town was their first ah, series. Right. I, I didn't actually realise that they had traversed America yeah. to New York. Well, to yeah. New York. And in general, people say that, that 2007 was kind of the difficult second album, not quite as good as the first. Ah. So I would definitely recommend The Long Way Round. Interesting. The, the, so they've done Long Way Round, yep. Long Way Down, and then in 20. 19 it was the long way up where they started uh, from the southern tip of South America and on two wheels travelled 13,000 miles that's 21,000 kilometres up to Los Angeles which is where Hugh McGregor lives Charlie and Ewan were on electric motorcycles, Harley Davidson, live wires they're called. So the challenge there was, with the range on these electric bikes, how can we do it? So they couldn't go straight, which is why, you know, 13,000 miles, 21,000 kilometres, um, they had to really go, you know, to the back it's of the quite, sticks. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, it's a TV show, it's a series, yeah. for goodness sake. Yeah. But having said all of that, it's quite an undertaking for someone oh, like Ewan McGregor, who is a Hollywood A-lister, Obi-Wan Kenobi, of course, yeah. in the Star Wars franchise yeah. for them to to do this it's obviously a, a passion project as well Massively, but yeah, yeah. Well, i mean that's the planning the time consumption 100 I mean, percent. you don't do these in a couple of weeks this no. is months no i mean i think it takes you know almost years to get it planned and get wow. you know get the permissions to go across borders get the you know the right carne for all the camera equipment all the camping equipment that they had claudio who i spoke to he was the cameraman director of photography and director on all three of those trips so he was on a third motorbike Wow, you know they've got a support vehicle which goes ahead to the next town, and but it kind of doesn't touch them. Doesn't really, you know, if you're swimming across the channel, you've got a support boat, but you're not allowed to. Of course, you know what I mean. But Claudio was he went on the journey with them, but he's an unsung hero, right? He's capturing the footage. He's he's not really the star on the screen. No, there are stories in those series where he's important to it, and he has an accident. Yes, he ends up on a one two five cc motorbike instead of his thousand cc motorbike in the middle of Russia because he's been. His wow. bike just, it just bike just stopped adventure. working. Um, but he's also, you know, he's been, for four decades, he's been a war photographer, been in some of the most difficult situations around the world. Um, and then he's just, in these last two decades, managed to combine his passion wow. yeah, with, uh, with mo- between motorcycling and this, this photography. Yeah. He's had an incredible career. He started off, before all this, with special forces training for the Swiss Army. Right. That ain't easy. Uh, over his career, he's interviewed Osama bin Laden. What? Yeah, spent a long time in Afghanistan. Andy survived six months in the rainforest on his own in Papua New Guinea when his plane couldn't land. See, you know what this kind of makes you realise? My life 
is dull. We're on a cushy number. I mean, <laughs> holy moly. To be Special Forces, interviewed Osama Bin Laden, I need to know more about that, and then to have su- survived six months in the Papua New Guinea rainforest, I feel like my life right now is pretty mundane. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It makes you feel really, really Yeah, like, what am I doing with my life? Embarrassed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, lordy. I didn't really know where to start with him, Chris, so I jumped straight in and challenged him to the theory that he doesn't really go for the easy option in his career. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's how I got into documentary filmmaking, because I I wanted to discover new things, so to, to... go into the unknown where you have to expect surprises but that's where you learn something I think it started very early on as a kid I somehow figured out if you approach the danger zone um, it's actually you discover very often it's not as bad as you thought and so suddenly you win confidence that you can deal with the danger because it's it's something you can control and then the danger zone is suddenly somewhere else so i generally like to go to places where everybody else says no 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 don't go there it's too dangerous (laughs) (laughs) clearly so what came first was the plan always to go into documentary filmmaking or because i know you did special forces training did that come first and then that was to help your documentary filmmaking what was kind of the process there so you know i i grew up in switzerland where everybody has to do military service so you have no choice and then I felt if already I have to do my military service I better do something where I learn something interesting and I was always uh, quite sporty I liked the physical challenge so I thought okay military service let's try and go to the guys who really get pushed and that's how I ended up in uh, mountain grenadiers so these are the guys up in the mountains so you are trained for survival like winter summer uh, lots of interesting skills, climbing, and, and of course we we had special training for guerrilla warfare, um, where you know a tiny little country like Switzerland, what you saw at the time it was still Cold War, you know where Soviet Union still existed, yeah. so everybody in Europe was kind of picturing the idea that you could just kind of invaded by by Russian tanks and everybody and then you need to defend yourself like behind enemy lines you know that's why the idea of the guerrilla warfare was relevant in a tiny country like Switzerland you know you hide up in the mountains and then you do your you know sabotage actions against the invaders (laughs) it was still full on the kind of cold war mentality and so I ended up with with the mountain guerrillas and I really enjoyed it because yeah, we, we got just trained to to you know survival training, which is is good to know. It gives you a self confidence, you know, just to know you can survive in the snow. You dig a snow hole, an igloo, and 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 it's just interesting. And uh, and then I didn't really take it seriously in military terms because I felt you know the Swiss they never had wars for a long long time. So what do they know about warfare? So it was more kind of the sporty side I liked. But then when I ended up um, in, with my first filmmaking uh, attempts in Afghanistan, I suddenly, you know, the military service was interesting because I didn't worry too much about a war zone because I was so well trained 
um, dealing with the bang bang and so that's why Afghanistan didn't freak me out too much uh, but when I ended up there, I realized that actually I knew much more about, you know, tactics and, and the effects of weapons than the Afghans. Even though they had war against the Russians already for um, six years. So the Russians invaded uh, 79 and I was there in uh, 85. So I felt these Afghan Mujahideen, they already had so much experience in war much more than you know I had none just kind of <laughs> dry <The> Swiss mountains <laughs> yeah. the dry theory in Swiss mountains <laughs> but um, I realized I I knew more about the, the effects of weapons than what what they had yeah and yeah, I know you also am I right in saying that you studied politics as well before yeah. you went to Afghanistan so <laughs> It sounds like your eyes were quite open to how challenging it was going to be. You know, if you had a little bit of political education and then the survival, <laughs> yeah. you know, training as well. What was that like for a young filmmaker? Your, your, your first assignment, am I right? Yeah, it was not even an assignment. It was just like a holiday trip. Goodness of me. <laughs> Again, you haven't no, no, picked I, the easy I, option. I completely, I just completely, you know, I just felt instead of, you know lying on the beach in Italy <laughs> yeah uh, let's, doing, let's do something more more interesting and uh, and I decided it would be, I thought it would be fun to see whether I can do a little news report you know f a few minutes uh, yeah. and at the time I was thinking you know where should I go and you had all the the conflicts in Latin America in Nicaragua El Salvador places like that where all the major networks sent their people. And I said, suddenly don't go there. There's too much competition. There's mm. no way as a, as a new guy who, who never has done anything before, I need to have something more exclusive. And that's why I chose Afghanistan because every, we knew there was a, a big war going on, but there was no information coming out, just nothing. And I felt, why not? Let's go there. At least there is no competition. And it worked. It, it really worked. Um, because to be honest, you know, what I produced there, the, the exploit from my first trip, it was really bad filmmaking. I had no clue. I have never done it before. Sure. I effectively filmed like it would be stills pictures. You know, I didn't okay. shoot proper sequences because I haven't really learned it. I, and and I, I didn't... I didn't do a single interview imagine I went to shoot a film and I didn't do an interview I just shot pictures like if it would be stills images but still it was exclusive nobody you know very few people had images at the time from that conflict so I could sell it in France for a, a, a news program in the evening and uh, I was lucky that I had a very good editor you know cutting it a Vietnamese guy who basically taught me everything I missed. You know, he was my mentor. Editors are yeah. the people in the yeah, film yeah, yeah. industry. He they was know. really, yeah. and, you know, and that's why right from the beginning, I realized, bloody hell, if you want to make films, you need to know how to edit. Yes. So straight away, because of Pedro, the Vietnamese editor, I realized, okay, you know, taking a camera and to go and shoot something, it's fun and it's interesting, but you need to edit as well. So right from the beginning, I started to do both. And, and then with this program in, in France, that editor, at the end, he called me in his office and said, look, what's your next 
yeah. move. And I said, yeah, I need to go and continue my, my studies in Switzerland. And he said, are you serious? You know, I, I don't care about your studies. I need people like you oh, covering these stories. Great. So he sent me back straight away. So I, I had my first assignment then. Fantastic. So it was a good way to get the foot, foot into the door. But I really, I just jumped into the deep end with, without knowing how to swim. Uh, it, <laughs> but I had way. to learn quickly. The survival instinct kicked yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's absolutely yeah. the only way. So, yeah, I mean, you had a 20-year career in conflict zones before the long way series started how did that come about i mean you could ride a motorbike but you'd not really done motorbike films motorcycle films before that so no. what was the process of getting into it into was that? totally out of the blue it's really f it was fun it's it's i think the only job ever as a freelancer which came out of the blue usually it's always with recommendations um but here i just got a call because two weeks before they started in april 2004 Two weeks before the start they still didn't know who will film it they just had one third motorbike and they know they knew they they need one guy they, and and they interviewed lots of people but they always said yeah i need a sound guy i need a lighting guy and and it just didn't work and then it's not gonna work on motorbikes and so they ended up with me most likely because you know i could operate on my own but that's what I was used to do. Yeah. Yeah. So coming from a, a film background, not as detailed as yours, but I always think, I wonder what Claudio's process was because you are the third of three bikers on this expedition, which takes a lot of focus. However, you also have to concentrate on getting a story, getting the shots, making the film work essentially without yeah. you, yeah. the expedition no one knows about it <laughs> so how did you manage to maintain your focus on those four month expeditions yeah. you know that must have been really taxing, really draining yeah it's interesting, it's definitely it was a, a new experience to have this kind of very long drawn out marathon where you have to concentrate on the riding because it's dangerous. Yeah. I knew right from the beginning the biggest risk will be accidents um, more than anything else. You know, they had worries at the beginning as well uh, about Ewan getting kidnapped of course. as a Hollywood star. Yeah. You know, riding through former Soviet countries, it was just briefly after the fall of the. Berlin, you know, yeah, Berlin yeah. Wall in 89, all the Soviet republics, they were falling apart. Everybody knew, you know, it's kind of run by mafia organizations and you have a Hollywood star driving through here, you know, perfect for kidnap and ransom. So, you know, that was one of the big worries for the production. Um, but on my side, I felt like the accident is, is the worst. But then the interesting thing what was what i discovered the fact that i had to focus on a story constantly trying to figure out where is my next shot yeah. what elements i need to tell the story you know from you and charlie what kind of questions i have to ask so that they they give me interesting information to build up the story that kept me alive or that kept me awake uh, and so that was the cool thing um, as well, that experience where you, you ride into unknown territory, you know, wherever you go, you have never seen it before. Of it's course. the first time. Yeah. And, and constantly to discover new landscapes, 
meeting new people is just very stimulating. So it, it keeps you awake. And, and, yeah. and that's how I managed to concentrate much longer um, than what I, what I thought. Yeah, uh, so without the focus of the film, I probably would have struggled more in terms of falling falling asleep no, that's interesting <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting yeah. and how were charlie and ewan in terms of your process they're on an expedition they want to soak in the scenery they want to enjoy the trip yeah. but there's this cameraman this director yeah. of photography always and, stopping and for a al- shot always stopping for a shot kind of dragging them back they wait i need to get my tripod out uh, sorry i missed the shot it's out of focus come back do it once again yeah um but Fortunately, you know, they, both of them, they are actors and they knew um, if you want to really make a film, and it was their idea, they wanted to make a film. Yeah, yeah. So, and they knew what it, you know, what it takes and they knew it just, you need to spend the time. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes we had arguments about it, but generally they really understood the process and they didn't mind. They actually were, luck, you know, they were quite uh, um, pleased that I had the discipline to constantly you know insist to do that shot even so everybody was tired everybody wanted to move on and I said no come back we do the shot because we are only here once if we don't do shot now we will never be back we yeah. missed it and if it's not on film yeah. nobody believes it happened yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but it never it almost didn't happen right you were there was an issue with your license oh yeah yeah, yeah that's, it's just a stupid story at the beginning of the trip where um you know they hired me expecting me to ride the third bike which is a huge big 1150 cc bike and i suddenly realized my license um was only 425 cc (laughs) and and the problem was originally i had my license in switzerland for everything i started with a truck license then automatically you get the car and bike license big bike license but um, when I got to the UK, they forced me to switch the Swiss license to a UK license. And then the UK authorities didn't respect the big bike license. And at the time, I was too lazy to complain because I was only riding a little scooter. And then suddenly with the long way around, you know, it kind of bit me. <laughs> I need to do this big bike license again. And so I... Uh, only two weeks before departure I said okay let's quickly do the practical test and then of course I failed and I felt I thought the producers Dave and Ross they will just drop me because how can you hire a guy who doesn't even have the license um, but they kept me on board and that was a, you know, a testimony to their attitude they could see the big picture they knew no no that's the guy we want and that license issue we can solve it and and uh and, and who cares about the license if you are in siberia uh so yeah. so they kept me <laughs> but I, I i expected that they will kick you off kick, kick me off yeah and then i we decided okay let's try and do it a second time so we have to wait for 10 di- days so we started the trip yeah no license and then i <laughs> flew back from kiev uh, to do the second time and then I passed so oh, I was very lucky thank goodness <laughs> thank goodness and all the better for it we've got three films because of it uh, I wanted to ask you your personal highlight maybe from the three seasons what's the one thing that you wake up in the middle of the night and think oh that, I'm so lucky to have experienced that 
Yeah, on all the three trips, uh, the, I was always inspired by the scenery, you know, discovering parts of the world where usually you have no chance to get there. And, and, and here I particularly enjoyed the huge, vast expanse where you just, you can't see any house, no city, no nothing. It's all poles. just kind of vast nature. So Mongolia, Siberia, that's extreme, really, wow. really extreme. It's just, you know, thousands of kilometers of nothing. Yeah. And that's quite extraordinary. Um, and you have it in all the other places in, in Africa, the same. And then South America, we had it. Wherever we have this, you know, because the world gets more and more crowded, people are living more and more in huge big cities. Yeah. And to get out of these cities, I think you, it kind of, you know, psychologically, it kind of gets you back to the roots when we were still roaming around like nomads, you know, trying to hunt for something. Yeah. Survival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so that's why I feel very, um, life in in these places yeah how has it changed your worldview in your whole career you've been in conflict zones and i know that you still do that to this day but when we spoke before you talked about taking on a project like the long way series and matching that up with the conflict zones it gives you a good balance right yeah it's what i learned you know, working in, in tricky places, conflict zones, um, that was very useful in the long way series. First of all, you, you know, I'm not getting freaked out quickly yeah. by much. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I'm more grounded than other people who then would lose their nerves. And, and so it was a good training ground all the kind of films I did before yeah, yeah absolutely and then what about the people that you've met on this on your whole career your whole journey what's your your world view of of humanity in general because you've seen more yeah. than most people yeah the one one thing I learned as well um, which was useful on the long way series if you go to areas um, you know a little bit kind of outside you know probably law and order doesn't count that much mm, yeah um you just have to make sure you make friends with the guys who have the biggest guns <laughs> that's a good protection <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it was like exactly like that you know on the long way on the on the long way series you know one of the worries was kidnap and ransom because traveling across former Soviet countries with a Hollywood star yeah. you know there is a risk that some people could these mafia guys yeah, yeah. could think oh we can make some money here we, we wow. get the guy and then we, we try to get some money out of it so that was one major worry and then the funny thing was we once got stopped in the, Ukri in the Ukraine by uh, a traffic cop who just wanted to have a little bit of pocket money of, of these three foreigners, you yeah. know, coming along with these massive big bikes, clearly must have loads of money. Wow. So kind of make them, you know, pay some 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 fees for speeding or he just made something up. Yeah. So we were standing there at the at the roadside, you know, having a debate with these local guys, you know, not really communicating properly because of the language. And then suddenly a black limousine drives up 
you know, like in the picture book, you know, tainted windows, wow. a guy walks out, you know, s sunglasses, pointed black shoes, you know, it's just the typical mafia guy, you know, exactly what you expect. So this guy, you know, rocks up, then he recognizes Ewan <laughs> as Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, it's amazing. In the middle of nowhere, you have these guys recognizing Ewan. Wow. He said, wow, Ewan, you know, you are here. I can't believe it. You know, what is this police guy doing? And, he, and we explained to him, yeah, he tries to give us a bribe and say, okay, let me deal with it. So he just brushed oh, wow. off the police guy. Goodness me. And then he was clearly a mafia, a local kind of yeah. big, big wig. Yeah. And, and then he said, no, 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 you know, this is not every day I meet the movie star. So instead of getting into the kidnapping idea, it's the opposite. He said, let's have a party. So basically this guy then invited us to his place and he invited all his other friends oh wow and you know and that's the scene in the film where the guy you know yeah, there was a big party he guns. comes down with playing the guitar oh, and then man. he holds he, he picks up the kalashnikov starts shooting yeah. it indoors so you know it's the funny thing right it, it's the wow. opposite and so that's what i mean you need to make friends with the guys who have yeah. the guns <laughs> great advice hopefully yeah. i never and then need you are to protected yeah absolutely <laughs> and no more problems with the police <laughs> just a couple more from me yeah. traveling around the world these days is a lot easier than it ever used to be but most people travel in the sky you've traveled at ground level yeah. and i just wondered what that was like to see the world see so much of the world as you have from you know eye level yeah that's a, a very good experience and very unusual because yeah. as you say most people just fly yeah. from A to B and you don't know what's in between and and f for me it was a new experience to actually discover the world on the ground from one country to the next you cross these borders yeah. and and it's 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 very interesting because you suddenly understand why you have borders and why cultures change because the geography changes naturally so you know in certain places you have a border because there's a river mm. and on one side of the river there's one culture and on the other side of the river is suddenly a, a different system or you have mountains the mountain ranges are very key because the weather is different so on one side you might have lots of rain so it's all green yeah and then on the other side because the way the wind blow um, you have no rain and yeah. so it's all like deserts and you have it typically it was between Russia and Mongolia like that so on the Russian side it was all green suddenly you get on the Mongolian side and it's all uh, dry yeah. and therefore the culture changes so on the Mongolian side you suddenly have nomads because you couldn't farm of course whilst on the Russian side where it's green, you know, so you have different cultures and therefore different mentalities and, of course, then different languages. Yeah. So it was quite fun to, to see this. Yeah. And you have it everywhere in the world. Um, like in Africa, we had the same. Sudan was all dry. You get into Ethiopia, suddenly it's all green. Yeah. And different culture. Yeah. yeah. So it's quite fun. Just a couple of quick fire ones from me. Were you able to keep any of the bikes that you've had on these trips? Yeah, fortunately, the first one, the the oh, long way round, oh, the, 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 the yeah. adventure, eleven fifty. But but not the red devil, the, the one in Russia. You, you no, the red devil. That. We left it behind in the the British embassy, 
and later, a few years later, they did a charity sale and then a, an Australian mining engineer, he bought it and he got in touch with me. So I actually, oh, tremendous. The, 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 the Red Devil survived Great. And, and he restored it and uh, kind of uh, he, he gave it as a present to his son. Yeah, so the Fantastic. planeta, the red devil, is still alive. <laughs> you still know the story. <laughs> Probably the, the, the most famous motorbike in the world. <laughs> it is, it, absolutely. Everybody must ask you about that bike. Um, the best road that you've ridden on, can you remember the best road that you've, on all these trips? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The craziest, the really, the absolute craziest road was a stretch which we didn't expect because on the map it was like a highway. It was in Kazakhstan. I don't remember the name of the city, but it was from the Caspian Sea. There was like a thousand kilometers, uh, you know, highway on the road. It's on a the big, map. It was not a kind of a little track. It was a highway. Okay. So you expect, you know, four lanes, tarmac, uh, tarmac everything. And it was just like on the moon. It <laughs> was ridiculous. <laughs> you had potholes deep, like an entire truck could disappear in a pothole. Oh, you know, that's me. how big the potholes were. And so the cars started to drive off the road because the proper road was just impossible. That bit of um, highway, it was a thousand kilometers or so. It was just uh, wow. real fun, but totally unexpected. What an experience. Yeah. Yeah. Finally then, where can we see any more of your work? Uh, I know the the TV series of The Long Way is on Apple and Apple Plus. Yeah, yeah. But what about your, your other any other films that you're proud of? Yeah, I have my my own domain, which is fonplanta.net, and that links to my Vimeo channel, and there you can see all sorts of films I I did. Claudio, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 